0: call larry now studio lines are open at 855 rose 123 that's 855-767-3123 making money sense is on the air welcome once again to the larry
1: rosenthal show making money sense hello everybody and larry is in the studio and I know he is just really chomping at the bit to tell us about all these wonderful things that are happening in the market.
2: <laughs> Lots of stuff going on in the market, Chris. Oh, well, good ma- morning, and how are you today? Well,
1: I, I'm I'm going to find out how I am as soon as you finish telling me about the markets.
2: <laughs> all right. Well, you want the good, the bad, or the ugly with it? Uh, let's start with the How about one. all of it, huh? Let's start well, with com- the- there you go. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. I'd like to welcome our longtime listeners on WAVA, in the D.C.-Baltimore area, as well as our listeners across the nation on SiriusXM, Channel 131 Family Talk, border-to-border border and coast-to-coast, coast, as you like to always say, Chris. We always like to start the show C off.
1: Sea to shining sea. There to you go. That
2: yep. yep, yep, yep. We always like to start the show off with, you know, what's going on in the markets, the economy, see if we can take a look down the road and around the corner a little bit. And to help you invest your money for your specific goals and objectives. So it's Open Mic Saturday, which I absolutely love because there's no holes barred. Give us a ring with any of your questions at all on the markets, the economy, what the Federal Reserve Chairman said this week, what the uh, Atlanta Fed said this week. Uh, in your 401Ks, uh, 403B plans, estate planning, wills, trusts, taxes, mortgages. It's open, Mike, Saturday. Any questions at all, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You can also check us out streaming live on TV. See how the show's done in, in the... The COVID environment behind the scenes in different places at LarryRosenthal.tv. Let's break down the markets this past week, Chris, and take a good Uh look at it and, and what we can expect going forward. We've seen lots of volatility over the last actually two or three weeks of trading sessions. Before we get into that, though, I want to take a look at the underpinnings of the economy and take a look at some of the numbers. You know, as far as uh, decreasing COVID nineteen numbers, we, we've seen we've seen vac- vaccinations rising. Uh, President Biden came out the other day and said he expects by the end of May, you know, we'd have enough vaccines for everybody in the country, which is wonderful. Twenty one percent of people have taken the first uh, vaccination, and eleven percent have actually had. Both shots uh, to be to be uh, vaccinated as well. So so that's that's trending in the right right direction. The U.S. had a great jobs report the other day. We we added three hundred seventy nine thousand jobs last month. Unemployment dropped from six point four down to six point two percent. We still got a long way to go. You know we we need to have a print like that three fifty to four hundred thousand jobs being added each month. For the next several months in order to get us back to where we were pre-COVID, but the trend is continuing. All this is leading up to why we had some volatility in the market, right? So when you take a look at, at you know, where, where were these jobs added? They were added in the service sector, which was the, the sector that was hit the most by the COVID, uh, COVID crisis and everything. So um, now how does this play out with with the stock market volatility? What does this mean as far as all that goes how is it – uh, how, how is good economic news affecting stocks? Well, when you take a look at this, when you take a look at the, the, the closing down of the economy and now the reopening of the economy, the reopening of the economy is because we're, we're having, obviously, infections going down, the stimulus uh, 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 that, that is on, on the brink of, of passing, however it ends up passing, as well as the vaccines. All of this bodes very, very well – Plus, the accommodation of the Federal Reserve, all this bodes very, very well for the markets to expand, the economy to expand, and we start getting organic job growth. Now, we have inventories that have been slowed down for about a year now because consumer demand has dropped in all different sectors of the economy. And all of a sudden, you turn the light switch back on, and the economy opens, starts to open back up quicker than, than inventories are around. Now we have too many dollars chasing too few goods. That is the perfect formula for inflation. So, so on one hand, we have the opening of the economy. Everybody's excited about it. You know, this past week, the, Atlantic, the Atlanta Fed came out and said that they expect to see a 10% growth rate in the first quarter this year. That is huge. Trust me, that is phenomenally huge, right? And we're starting to see inflation hit us at the stores now and the gas pumps. You know, prices are rising all around us. And usually what happens when we get inflation, interest rates in the bond market start going up. We've seen that. You know, the 10-year bond was at at a low of around uh, half of a percent just a handful of months ago. And to, and that right now it closed above 1.5%. That's creating a lot of anxiety and volatility. Well, you say, Larry, well, well, interest rates rising, isn't that good for people that want to invest? Hold on, the story's not over yet. Let's get there and break this thing down so we understand what's happening in the markets and the volatility with it all. So now all of a sudden, we see this pressure in the marketplace of of inflation coming in. Historically speaking, when we get inflation, what does the Federal Reserve do? Remember the Federal Reserve has two mandates. One is price stability and the second one is maximum employment. And both of those mandates fight against each other. So now we're starting to see price stability sort of wane off, off the guardrails a little bit because we're getting inflation. Prices are going up at the grocery store, prices are going up at the gas pump all around the place, right? So what does the Fed usually do? They come in and they slow it down. They say, wait a minute. We've got too many dollars chasing too few goods. We need to have some price stability because we don't want inflation to get out of control. So what do they do? They raise interest rates. Well, Jerome Powell came out the other day and he said, you know what? We're we're not raising rates. We're going to keep rates where they are. As a matter of fact, he said – that basically we're going to look through this, this bout of inflation right now to the other side because this is what they've, they, he, he has said they've been expecting with the reopening of the economy, is that we would get an initial wave of, of inflation, and then things would sort of level back out. And in the scheme of things, one5 to 2% print on the 10-year note is not the end of the world. It's actually a good, healthy scenario, but going from 05 up to one5 as quick as we did, makes people get very nervous, all right? So so when you take a look at this, he said basically upward pressure on prices and transi- transitory increases in inflation might be coming to the US as the economy reopens a year of COVID restrictions that hit the businesses across the board, right? So the market is concerned that that, that rates are gonna climb too high too quickly and that the Fed won't take aggressive policy actions to control it, and bond yields will start surging. So what does all this basically mean? When you take a look at, at inflation getting into the system, how does that affect stock prices? Well, first of all, stocks don't like interest rates rising because then the cost of capital becomes more expensive, right? and when you break it down and you take a look at at the length of time i was explaining this to a client of mine just the other day if you go to the ice cream store and you buy a scoop of ice cream okay let's say for a dollar they probably spent 50 cents to get that scoop of ice cream prepared for you with all you know wages and materials and ingredients and all that kind of stuff Maybe they ordered the ice cream material on Friday. It got to their store on Saturday. You came in Saturday evening or Sunday and purchased the ice cream cone. That sales process is very, very short from the time they laid out their capital to the time they got return on their investment, right? On the other hand, you take a look at some of these high-flying technology companies whose earnings are two years down the road. Now, all of a sudden, when the earnings are two years down the road, you have to take a look at, the, at, the, at, at what inflation does to those cash values down the road. Inflation goes up. The value of those future cash flows decline. That's why you're seeing some of these technology stocks come back down. You know The NASDAQ has dropped about 8% from its record highs, almost in correction territory. But that's the reason why. So the question becomes this now for, for tech investors you know you've got very high pe ratios and they should be high because they do demand, they do command um, a premium for 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 their stocks at the same time here you have to say well is this a one time scenario or is this something that's going to get off the guard ra- off the rails and just keep on going up up and away and that's the great question that we're going to be able to answer probably four, five, six, seven weeks down the road, next month or two, to really see how if inflation is really going out of control or if it's just coming back to a more normalized scenario. And this is what it looks like in normalizing interest rates, normalizing back to the economy. We all knew we would get this initial bump. We just didn't know when it would come, how severe it would be, and for how long it's going to last. And so, you know, when, when you take a look at, at some of the comments – that came out of the federal reserve this week you know we we we, we had uh, mixed emotions or or mixed messages maybe uh you know but then a couple of other members came out on friday and the market just completely changed around when they said you know look this is this is probably a one-time scenario here it's probably not going to be as bad as what people are anticipating so my point is this is this is where the rubber meets the road this is why we always talk about proper portfolio construction having diversification, understanding what has to take place in your investments in order for them to go bad or go good. Take a look at your beta. How much risk do you have in your investments? This is a crucial time to really take a look at it, as well as a fantastic time to take a look at employing new money into the marketplace with this buying opportunity. So, you know, bottom line is that that uh, still the, uh, a lot of people on, on Wall Street feel that the markets are going to continue to have a, a good year this year. But we'll have to wait and see how this inflation scenario plays out. Just a few weeks ago, I was on the air talking about we've got three people in, 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 in a race. We've got corporate earnings, we have inflation, and we have taxes, okay, So if corporate earnings continue to come in very strong this year and inflation gets tamped down a little bit where it's not too bad and doesn't go off the guardrails, things could look to be a very, very interesting year for for the markets as far as that goes. But that's what's going on right now, and we're seeing this rotation in stocks. um, But the question is, is this permanent or is it temporary? You have to ask yourself the question, where will these tech companies be 12 months, 36 months, 55 months down the road from now. Do you think that they're going to continue to innovate? Do you think that they're going to continue to produce? Do you think that that artificial intelligence and technology, the way you and I send information back and forth to each other, both business-wise and personally-wise, do you think it's going to continue to innovate? And, And so those are a lot of the big questions. Bottom line is know what you own, understand what you own, find that quality, keep that quality in your investments until that quality goes away, or your investment objectives change. And just because you have a market pullback because of a change in economic conditions doesn't mean that the stocks that you still own are bad. It could present a buying opportunity. So, you know, make sure that you understand what you're doing if you're going out making buy and sell decisions right now. So, hey, you're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Go ahead and dial us up at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. We're going to take a quick break. It's open mic Saturday. Check us out on LarryRosenthal.tv. You can check us out uh, live streaming on YouTube this morning. And uh, give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. I'm Larry Rosenthal. You're listening to Making Money Sense. We'll be back in a moment.
0: You are listening to Making Money Sense Live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment.
3: To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. nationwide in coast to coast from sea to shining sea call now 855-767-3123 that's 855-ROSE-123 live from the nation's capital this is the larry rosenthal show
1: appreciate you listening 855-767-3123 is the number you can call right now to talk to larry rosenthal right here in studio with us hey larry um before we go back to that just just to let you know on youtube we have uh, a new star, uh, a part of the, the radio show here today. You know, we, we had Bob with show Harlow up there on the screen and the new. you know, he's a hit. So what, what can I tell you? I love it. I love it. Definitely. <laughs> without so, a doubt.
2: Larry TV, You got all kind, all kinds of stuff there you'll be able to see. Cool. So, anyway. Wonderful. Wonderful. Cool. So. Hey, you know, inflation is a concern, Chris. It's a concern not only in the stock market, but for investors, too. We talked about this, uh, you know, just a couple of months ago when we started seeing seeing this a little bit, you know, and thinking about making sure that your dollars outpace taxes and inflation. It's very important. What rate of return do you have to get so that you net a positive growth after taxes, after inflation, and after fees? That's the net dollar that you have to take back, you know, that you can take to the grocery store and the gas pump and pay your mortgage with. So it is important to make sure that you you are outpacing taxes and inflation in your investment accounts. Let's welcome Dean on the line from Kentucky. Good morning, Dean. How are you today? Good. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. How can I help you?
4: I have a question uh, about credit. Uh, Seven years ago, wife and I, I had lost my
5: job and I got uh, a so-called eviction, but we actually moved out before we were ever evicted. They put on my credit report that I had had an eviction, and they put down a balance of what we had on the lease. Uh, I tried to contact the people and, and make the payment, but they put a lot of interest on me. And since then, they, even though I paid the balance off, they still don't want to take it off my credit report, which has caused me not to be able to rent a good place for my family to be. I've been pretty much paying to stay at extended stays for seven years.
0: Do you have any suggestions as to how I can get that off my credit report?
2: Chris, what is the best way that he can work with the credit report people? Um... You're familiar with that? Yeah, yeah. No,
1: it, it, you can do it yourself quite a bit. if You, you have to consistently, every 30 days, uh, send in a, 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 a dispute, and then eventually it'll fall off. But you have to do it every 30 right. days. And you can use some of these credit repair companies, but you can do it yourself just as easily. You just have to type in the, there's a dispute option on in, any of the three credit report companies, Equifax, TransUnion, uh, the other one escapes me, but there's three of them there, and you can uh, just send them in each time, just every week, every month, 30 days, put in that uh, that dispute, and eventually it will it will clear itself off of there. So, in other words, persistence pays.
2: It does eventually. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> exactly.
5: Okay. Thank you very much, sir.
2: Good luck, Dean. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense Larry Rosenthal show. Go ahead and dial us up at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. You know, it's just some, uh, uh, you know, we were talking about the stocks earlier today. If you aren't thinking about owning a stock for 10 years, why would you own it for 10 minutes? It's time in the market. It's not timing in the market, but it's time. Again, find that quality, buy it, and hold it. Good buying opportunities these days right now. You watch. This is a good buying opportunity point right now in the market. So we want to make sure that people are aware of it. You consist, you stick with your program, keep putting money into your retirement plans. At these prices right now, it's a very good thing.
1: So Larry, can I borrow some money so I can buy some stock?
2: <laughs> sure, there you go, Bob. Bob, Bob, be happy to Bob's give you a check. Bob's going
1: to give me some money. All right.
2: <laughs> yep. Okay. All right. No worries. No worries at all. So, hey, Sweet Home Mortgage, right? You know, in in financial planning, one of the questions that that often comes up very, very frequently is, you know, Larry, what do we do with our mortgage payment? Should we try to pay our home off? Should we not pay our home off and have a mortgage in retirement? I get this question all the time. People are very confused. First of all, let me break this down for you. There's There's nine different ways to manage equity inside of your home. And a lot of the questions become this is, you know, well, hey, we want to pay our home off or we don't want to pay our home off. We've we've heard people say you should never pay your home off. You should always have a mortgage so you get tax deductions. Other people say forget that. I want the home paid for. What's the right answer? And the right answer is yes. Some people should pay their homes off, and some people should continue to have a mortgage. Some people big mortgages, and some people a small, manageable mortgage. What makes that difference? I've always, asked that. I always wondered that question. Well, well, so here's the deal, Chris, on this. When, when you're looking to pay your mortgage off, you know, let's, just, let's just take a $700,000 house as an example. And you, 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 you do everything you can. You pay this house off over time, and, and now you're, you're be- just before retirement or you're at retirement, whatever the case may be, and you've paid this home off. And you've got seven hundred thousand dollars sitting inside your house. It's sitting inside wood, bricks, mortar, and steel. It's not giving you an income or anything to live off of. But your home is paid for. Now you still have to make taxes and insurance payments on the house. I, you know, if if you want to still keep it, right? But now all of a sudden you've got all this money sitting in the house, and you don't have any money to spend. In other words, you don't want to be in a position where you're house rich and cash poor. Gotcha in that scenario it may be better to have a small manageable mortgage and have two hundred thousand dollars in the bank right oh, was on the other company. side if you have seven hundred thousand dollar home and it's paid for and you have a few million dollars that's invested well guess what maybe there's nothing wrong with having that home paid for peace of mind positioning but at the same time now you might look at it and go you know what I kind of miss that tax deduction yeah, I had. that's what I was wondering about. So, so it's a balanced mixture. If you go strictly by what the calculator says, the calculator is going to always tell you to carry a long mortgage into retirement and through retirement years. But some people say, you know what? I still want peace of mind. I want to pay the home off. And I don't really care about trying to make extra money. You know in the markets or or in the bank accounts or whatever the case may be and i just simply want the home paid for bottom line is this is when the question comes up on should you pay your home off or not should you have a big mortgage in retirement should you have a small manageable mortgage in retirement it boils down to the individual's family's needs your cash flow your tax scenario and your risk acceptance level you also have to ask the question uh, so when we run out our financial plans with clients, we do three or four different iterations when it comes to the home conversation, and everybody's different up and down the street on what they want to try to do. You also have to ask the question about it: is, you know, is this going to be the final home? Is this the quote unquote retirement home? Are you going to pay this home? Are you going to pay a home off and then four or five years later move? You know. So so that has a lot to do with it as well. So, you know, be thinking about this. It's important because the home decision to pay the mortgage off or not is a big decision. It's a financial decision. It's a peace of mind decision. This is something that should be broken down and looked at inside your financial plan a few different ways. Let's welcome Ellerly on the line from Maryland. Good morning, Ellerly. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Larry? I'm well. How can I help you, sir?
5: Would you recommend to put emergency fund money for maximum growth
4: while you keep it liquid?
2: Well, emergency fund money and maximum growth are, don't go well today in interest rate bank conversations, okay? So here's the deal. You need to have about three to six months' worth of living expenses saved up in a very safe, liquid, conservative place. Let's suppose that you're, you're, it, it takes $5,000 a month for you to live off of. Six months of that is is thirty grand. And you say, well, wait a minute, Larry, I'm going to put $30,000 into the bank right now. It's paying, what, 0.2% interest, if that? I, may, maybe I'm just going to keep two months of, of liquid reserves in the bank and maybe move four months into a tax-free bond fund that might be paying 2 or 3% interest. That's completely liquid in, in today, out tomorrow, or a, or a floating rate bank fund paying 4%, things like that. Um, is is part of the conversation. So I definitely want you to have um, uh, think of, think of it like this, Ellerly. If the question is posed, I'm not happy with the the rate of return I'm getting in my bank account, but I am happy with the guaranteed protection and and completely no loss of principal in the bank. Is there a place where I can move one step further away from the bank? and keep my principal guaranteed and get a higher rate of return the answer on the principal guarantee is no but can i get a higher rate of return yes so one step away in some of these bond funds you will get a slight little fluctuation every handful of days by a penny or two it's not much to even worry about but your interest can be two to four percent uh... so 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 we have you know that that's sort of the answer to your question and then depending on, you know, if you wanted to take two steps away from the bank, you might get a little bit more fluctuation and a little bit higher interest. But eventually you want to make sure that all these positions are are completely liquid for you and they're safe in, as far as your risk level of acceptance goes. Does that make sense?
5: Oh, absolutely. So you mentioned a tax-free bond fund. What was the other vehicle?
2: So there's different types of bond funds out there. There's There's tax-free municipal bond funds. Okay, And they carry all different levels of risk from b- very conservative to moderate to, to, to aggressive risk in the tax-free municipal bond arena. Then you also have corporate and government bonds that are AAA rated all the way down to junk bonds. They carry different scenarios as, of risk as well. And all of these are, are 100% liquid for you, by the way. And then you have a, a different type of bond, a, a bank loan bond or a floating rate bond. And right now with interest rates going up, you want to be on the credit side of the house. You want to be in the bank loan area of bonds versus the, the duration risk of bonds. So the, the marketplace in bonds has basically changed over the last three or four weeks right here in front of us. A lot of people aren't aware of that. A lot of people are going to be opening up their, their uh, February and, uh, statement and going, what happened to my bonds? They went down in value. OK, because they've had interest sensitive bonds on the other side, credit sensitive bonds have been going up. So depending on on where on on how much money you have in the bank versus how much money you want to try to get a little bit extra rate of return on a little bit interest will determine on where we would. You, we might say for you to have a little bit of money on the duration side and the credit side. And some tax-free munis in there, too, and get a blended thing. So maybe you're getting a, you know, a 3.5% uh, interest rate on it all, and it's blended, and it's across the risk, risk spectrum of what you're willing to accept. Because you can dial the risk up in bonds from very, very conservative to very, very risky. It just depends on what your appetite is for, for that rate of return. Does that make sense?
5: Yes, and, and, you know, you just look up at your statement, and, and uh, you've got, you know, X amount in the bank, and then you see, uh, you know, a dollar in interest, you're like, you, you, you okay, that's not a lot of money there.
2: Woo-woo, that's exactly right, and that's the environment that we're in today, and we're going to be in that environment for the next couple of years. Federal Reserve has pretty much said they don't see them raising rates, which is their FOMC rate, Federal Open Market Committee rate, you know, for, for a couple of years now. You know, sometime in 2022. Now, with this inflation coming into the system, if the inflation goes off the rails like we talked about earlier in the show, the Fed may have to act earlier. Uh, but right now, they're they're sitting pat with their um, uh, statement, you know, no raises this year or, or probably into next. And that means bank rates are going to be very, very low like that. I'll tell you what, if you want, Ellerly, I'll put you on hold and – We'll have somebody reach out to you next week and give you sort of a breakdown on the different types of bond funds that are available to try and help accomplish what you're trying to do, okay? Let me put All you right. on hold. And, yep, I'll put you on hold. Bob will get your information. Appreciate the phone call. If you're listening to Making Money Sense, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Let's welcome Creston on the line from Tennessee. Good morning, Creston. How are you?
5: Good morning. I'm fantastic. How are you?
2: I'm well. How can I help you, sir?
5: Got two things. So I've got a long-term account, and obviously, with the current situation of the market, I'm a little concerned because I've, I've dipped below my principal balance that I've uh, invested, and I'm buying fractional shares in cash app. I've got approximately 250 stocks that I've put anywhere from a dollar up to about 85, 100 dollars, because I dip in a little bit of money each week from a side hustle job I do. And my concern and my question is two things. I'm looking for a good resource that gives me a biblically sound list of stocks to invest in. I was previously in a couple of pot stocks and a couple of other things that kind of go against my values, and so I have pulled money out of that. So I want to make sure my account is biblically sound. And then secondly, is there a good resource that I could find that would give me a strong uh, bucket of stocks that are all value-based, dividend, strong balance sheet stocks? so that um, I can start making sure that I'm protecting my money, but at the same time I'm growing it. I'm 47. My goal is to retire by 62, and um, currently have a mortgage I'm refinancing for 2.5% interest rate, less 45 hoping to close this week. And uh, my goal is to save up enough money in that account and pay a little extra on my mortgage so that by the time I retire I have a nice nest egg and my wife and I can sell our home and then just travel with an RV.
2: So, so Preston, here. Story. Yep, here here's some answers for you right now. As far as screening stocks goes, there's a handful of different screeners out there, and we use a few of them in our office, and we also use some with different mutual fund companies. So I can get you that information right now. I just don't happen to know the name of them off the top of my head, okay? But they sure, will screen sure. yeah,
5: for – I use FinViz, and then I use the one that's built into my TD Ameritrade account. But I would love to have other resources that may give me better guidance and maybe even a template of what to look for when I'm doing my screen.
2: Well, a lot of the screening is, you know, uh, you could do one company screening and it screens for a certain type of criteria, whereas a second company screening screens for a completely different type of criteria. So it depends on what you're looking at. As far as all that goes, so we have a handful of those that we can we can get information to you on that. Then you mentioned about a screening to buy value stocks. Is is yeah. this stocks that are considered value plays or stocks that are aligned with your personal values? What were you talking about there?
5: Well, that would be a twofold answer. Uh, one that has an alignment to my biblical values, and then secondly, those that are considered cyclical value. Base stocks like an AT&T or something that's got sound balance sheets that have value that you know they're not going to go down 50%. You know they might go down one or two percent, but they're not going to make this huge market dive just because they're strong balance sheets.
2: Well, you have to. You, so, so I want to, I want to, I want to give you a little bit more backdrop on that statement. There's nothing wrong with value stocks at all. They pay a reasonably uh, attractive dividend, and they don't go up much and they don't go down much. But over time, when you take a look at the last 17 years, growth has outpaced value stocks considerably. So value stocks, you're actually losing on what we would call the opportunity cost. So Mm. we would suggest or, or have you take a look from an educational perspective of having some money on the value side as well as the growth side. Right now, we're seeing, a, 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 as a result of this inflation coming into the system, we're actually seeing a snapback in value stocks grow right now because they've been beat up so bad in COVID that we're seeing them starting to come up right now. And in the, in the $64 million question, if you will, that everyone is asking is, are value stocks going to finally overtake growth stocks you know, in May or August or October of this year? and then continue to lead, or once they snap back, are people going to realize, you know what, eh, okay, now they're back to normal again, and the growth side of the world is going to start taking over again. So you need to have a combination of both for diversification. It's been proven many, many times that it's the asset class selection that provides your lo- your, your best rate of return. 92.5% of your portfolio's rate of return can be ma- can be attributed to your asset class selection. Go ahead.
5: So let me ask you this, then, what would be the recommended percentages to balance out the diversification? And on top of that, what would be the maximum amount of stocks you would put inside your account? Because like I was saying, I do fractional shares. So I got a little bit of everything. I've got, like I said, my own little ETF or mutual fund, which actually has ETFs and stocks in it and a few bond accounts uh, through Cash App. And then I've got a TD Ameritrade account that I play with options a little bit, Uh, but that's really just my I hope I get lucky account, the uh, the long-term accounts where I focus 99% of my attention. So if I was going to diversify that account, what would be the best strategy for diversification percentage-wise, one towards growth, dividends, and uh, so, value stocks, with what have you?
2: So you're looking at, at backing up the conversation all the way to what you and your family's risk acceptance level is. Just to break it right. down very easy, let me just say this. Let's say one's the most conservative, ten's the most aggressive, and for whatever reason you say you're a seven, okay? So now That's you about take a right. look,
5: seven or eight. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. So now you take a look at your your positions and, and the first thing we would do is run an analysis on what your real risk level is after we put it through our software of, of risk assessment, okay? Then we would say, Here's your real risk level and then we would break down the different asset classes and it's also been my experience that most of the time not saying this is with you but a lot of times when people say hey larry take a look at our our portfolio how are we doing and they've got all these different stocks you know hundreds of stocks all lined up a lot of times these stocks are pushing and pulling against each other and the overall portfolio is really not going anywhere so that's one uh-huh. of the things that we have to take a look at too and and then and then you know, so so there, it sounds like to me, you know, you need to get a you need to get a second opinion on just sort of draw a line in the sand and say, hey, here's the analysis on your on your entire portfolio. This is what we see as far as going forward goes, and then open up a conversation on what your buy and sell decision process is. How did you arrive at these 250 stocks that you have? What has been your criteria to sell them? Or, or to buy more of them, you know, if you keep on adding more and more and more and more stocks, if, you, if, if, if I were to go screen 1,000 stocks tomorrow, let's say, in, in various different screeners that we use, if I were to screen 1,000 stocks tomorrow, I could easily categorize them into these are my A's, B's, C's, and D stocks that I want to get. Well, sooner or later, if I keep adding more and more stocks, I eventually start buying B stocks and C stocks. Does that make sense? Mm. Okay, so why would I, if if I loved my A stock last November, and I'm going to add more money to it, why would I not just add more money to my A stock versus buying a B or a C stock? At some mm. point, you end up with diversification instead of diversification, and that's right, right. that's the analysis that has to be done in your current positioning right now, Creston, before you take the so it's conversation like and the A+
1: plus.
5: The A-plus setup stocks are giving me more solid returns, basically, I think is what you're trying to say.
2: Exactly, exactly. So, okay. so, so you how need you, to have a
5: – How do you – I apologize. I didn't mean to interrupt you.
2: No, no. Go ahead.
5: Well, how do you determine your A, B, C, and D? What, what are the criteria or a template of things you're looking for for that?
2: Well, let's 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 break that down a little bit further for you. Suppose you said, you know what, I'm I'm uh I'm at the point in my life where I need to start getting income from my stocks. Now you're going to you're going to say, "Hey, these growth stocks might not be that good anymore. I need more value stocks, high dividend players." On the other side, you might say, "Well, I'm 57 now or whatever you said you I'm are or four, 40
5: 47, so I've got about so, uh, sorry 15 Sorry, but 47
2: years. and you want to retire at 62. Just because you retire at 62, guess what? I got news for you. You still need money at 72, 82, and 92, so a portion of your portfolio is still going to have to be bent towards growth for the next 25, 30 years, and at the same time, current income with tax efficiencies, as you mentioned, from a reliable company with rock-solid balance sheets. So how do you screen for all of this today from 47 to 62, and then from 62 going forward? So you have to take a look at what you put into your screeners as to determining the types of purchases or stock portfolios you're going to have. And I would submit to you that probably you could merge uh, down from these 250 different holdings, you know, how are you possibly understanding every one of these stocks' balance sheets day in and day out, what their management teams are doing, you know, and all that kind of stuff, you know. I mean, I mean, you really have to take a good, solid look at it and see if you're getting a good risk-adjusted return at all. I'll tell you what, if you, if you want, Creston, this will be a fun exercise. If you want, I'll uh, I'll have one of our advisors reach out to you and give you a full screening analysis on it all. Um, and and show you how it's all done. If you want to, I'll put you on hold, and Bob will get some of your information, and we'll have somebody reach out to you next week and show you how to do a complete screen, a risk-adjusted analysis on all of your holdings and give you some thoughts from that standpoint. How's that sound?
5: Yeah, I I would love that. Thank you.
2: Absolutely. Let me put you on hold, Creston. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. Let's welcome Kathy on the line from Georgia. Good morning, Kathy. How are you today?
6: I'm good. How are you?
2: I'm well. How can I help you?
6: Um, well, my mom passed away in December and um, left me um, an inheritance, and um, I, I'm going to receive, say, around 145000 and I just wanted to know the best way to invest it and a way that I might could get a quarterly payout from that.
2: Well, Kathy, I'm sorry to hear about your mom's passing, okay? Um, Thank
6: you. Thank very, you.
2: very Very much so. So, a couple of things here. First of all, what's the origin of the money? Is the money inside of an IRA or not?
6: Um, she had it in annuity and, um, you know, was splitting it between my sisters and I.
2: Okay, so since it was in an annuity, was it, do you know if it was an IRA annuity or a non IRA annuity?
6: A non IRA annuity.
2: Okay, so, so you have a, an opportunity, you can do what's called a lifetime stretch on a non-IRA annuity, okay, meaning that you have the ability as a beneficiary of a non-IRA annuity to take payments each month over the course of your life, if you wanted to, or you can reach in and pull all the money out whenever you wish. So. The first thing that we have to do is take a look at how much quarterly payments you want to have. Secondly, what type of investment is driving the rate of return that's sitting inside the annuity? Because your mom's investment objectives and risk acceptance levels may be different than yours since you're her child. In other words, you may have a longer period of time to try and grow and create more wealth for you and your family's retirement. So two things: one, how much income do you need, and when do you need it each year, monthly, quarterly, whatever it may be. And two, we need to take a look at the at the vehicle that it's inside with the annuity company right now. Maybe it's in a fixed annuity or an equity indexed annuity that's maybe going to get four percent. You know, and th- that's just not going to do it for you over over 15, 20 years for for your retirement. So that's the way we have to break it down and take a look at it before I give you any answers as to how it should be invested and stuff. Uh we need to invest the money in such a way that it works for you and your family's needs since your mom's not using the money anymore. Is that is that clear it up for you?
6: Um, I guess so. <laughs> I I mean, um, I know that like we we are um um we're gonna take it out we're gonna, you know, empty it all out and then my sisters and I were all invested in our own way so we're not leaving it in the annuity that she has it in we're going to be taking it out and then each doing it what we want with it if that makes sense um, that
2: that makes a lot of sense so is the annuity company splitting the money up to each of you yeah. and then you're going to hit you're gonna get your own taxes on that because there was a cost basis and then a growth so you're gonna to have to pay a proportional tax on that growth um, mm-hmm excuse me, when the money comes out of the annuity. So be prepared for that. And then secondly, just what I said, you know, how much money do you need and when do you need it? And then we can sit down and make an investment uh, portfolio analysis for you and and, and show you how, how to invest it for your financial planning, which will probably okay. be different than your sisters and your mom and things like that. So Right, right. Okay. Um, yep, definitely. Here, I'll put you on hold, Kathy, and we'll send you out something on, on how to go about looking at, at the differences in, in uh getting income from investments, as well as growing the investments for you, too, okay? Okay, okay, thank you. Yep, let me put you on hold here just a second, and Bob will get some of your contact information. Appreciate the phone call. Again, you're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal's show. Let's welcome Martin on the line from Connecticut. Good morning, Martin, how are you?
4: Good morning, I'm doing good. I wish I could get some warmer weather, though, I tell you that.
2: It's coming, man, it's coming, don't worry. <laughs>
4: I'm hoping, listen, uh, I'm re- I, I used to live in Florida, but came to Connecticut' Connecticut's job uh, purposes, and uh, I wish it was longer. Yeah.
2: So How can I help you, Martin?
4: I'm calling it just to kind of, like, heat up some things that we're trying to do, my wife and I. Um, one is um, I don't want to wait till 65 to, or 62 to retire. I'm going to link the game and put together a plan But, um, you know, the housing market is really hot right now where we're at, and, you know, I probably can make about $140,000 if we were to sell the property within the next, you know, two years. Um, And just to kind of, like, sock that away, our goal is to leave the tax-high heavy northeast (laughs) and go to the south, which is more friendly for, you know, older individuals and not as tax-heavy uh, when it comes to, like, property and local taxes. And uh, we currently, right now, have about, you know, not a lot. Probably next month we'll probably have about maybe, like, $26,000 cash uh, in a bank. And... Um, we both are employed. We Love to try and you know, semi-retired. i fully retired. We plan on working. Um, you know, I'm like in my 50s, so I'll be 52. So around 55, 56. I don't have a hard and do
2: the job. My wife is an educator, so she'll still be working. Be so, Martin, what it what it sounds like to me, and, and, and I'm I'm going to jump in here because the the um, I'm hearing a, a cell phone. You're getting a little little fuzzy on me. Um, but it's what it sounds like to me, though, is we just sort of need to draw a line in the sand and, and address the question you know, sort of along the lines of, hey, if you keep doing what you've been doing, where will you be down the road? And build out a financial plan from this particular point. Take a look at what all of your income is, your resources, your your goals to move back to the south sometime towards retirement years, things like that. So I, I'm going to send you out our financial planning toolkit. It's going to help draw that line in the sand. We'll have somebody follow up with you to show you how to build a properly structured financial plan because we've got to get all of your goals together, your assets your income expenses savings things like that and then build your financial plan because that's what it sounds like that you need to 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 really be doing i'm going to put you on hold and bob will get your information and we'll send that toolkit right out to you next week appreciate the phone call again you're listening to making money sense larry rosenthal show give us a ring at 855 rose 123 that's 855-767-3123 let's welcome lisa on the line from idaho good morning lisa how are you
4: Good morning.
6: Good morning. A first-time listener just caught you as I was taking a long drive. And um, I don't know if this would apply like what you said to Martin or a plan, but um, I'll give you my information. I'm 61 out of work and concerned about the future and wanted to know if I gave you my net assets and what they were in. Um, if it's if, if stay that way, I have a feeling after what I heard you say, a little while ago, I might be in trouble, but um, – or would you rather just send me a financial plan workbook to figure out how to do this with someone professionally?
2: Well, Lisa, it's – it's you know, I'll, I'll be happy to answer any of your questions you can right here on the air, but the bottom line is this, is when you're looking at and, – and you're serious about building a financial plan, making sure that you have enough assets to live off of once you retire in the future – The the real product of that is not, should I buy this stock or that stock, okay? Because the financial advisor is going to take care of that for you. The real product is the financial advisor sitting down with you, whether it's through a Zoom call or a phone call or face-to-face, and understanding what you want to try to do, understanding your liquidity needs, your tax situation, what your goals are with, with the dollars that you have, and then show you various choices to try and produce the wealth that you need in order to accomplish those goals. So, you know, what you said really hits the nail right on the head, which is it does start with the financial planning toolkit, the the building of that financial plan. It definitely does. Taking a look at at your
6: age.
2: Oh absolutely. Uh, 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 Absolutely. You know, there's let me just tell you this, there's six or seven different ways that you can get income in retirement without selling off any shares of, of stocks or mutual funds or ETFs. A lot of people don't even know that. Okay. Yes,
6: yeah, because I've been taking from my funds to live on.
2: And if you're selling, time. if you're selling principal of them, maybe you should take a look at how to start getting a higher dividend rate, so you don't have to sell the ownership of your shares. Because over well, time, the ownership of your shares will eventually probably go up over time.
6: Yeah, um, I've, I've, I know you're probably going to give me a hard time. I guess I kind of just confessed it. I would say half of my money is all in one large tech stock.
2: Well, how's it done and for I you? Know,
6: fine. I just oh, don't know okay. what the future holds because I heard you talking um, about the tech stocks and, you know, two years being rated out on the growth. And um, But as I've driven, I've just driven 900 miles um, overnight, and I was very impressed to see how many of those trucks of that company are on the freeway, even in the middle of the night.
2: <laughs> I think but I know what company you're talking have deliveries about. Yep. To make.
6: And I'll tell you what, they have deliveries to make, and also two state patrolmen in different states pulled those very trucks, which I was surprised. I guess they're really trying to get our stuff to us immediately, but they probably going to have to slow down if the, if the, the drivers keep getting the state patrol tickets.
2: <laughs> so, 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 Lisa, you know, Uh, There, there's – when – how should I say this? When you find a quality investment, you want to hold on to it. And when you take a look at the technology – when you take a look at the technology sector, okay, as a whole, personally, I think it's going to – you know, I I see it continuing to to produce, you know. Um, But there are pullbacks from time to time. That doesn't mean you throw the baby out with the bathwater by any means. Yeah, just, be, just because the market's pulling back and working against a certain sector right now, you have to ask the question what's causing my stocks right now in a certain sector to go down or to go up? And right now, the tech sector's come down a little bit. But if you believe that the tech sector is going to continue to provide information, goods, and services, and continue to develop and, 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 and do more technology innovations down the road, then you would just simply say this is a buying opportunity, okay? But if you look at the economic forces that are, and it says, you know, hey, it doesn't look good for whatever sector I'm in, then you may need to exit it. But by, my, by no means am I saying exit it at all. Uh, you know, what I'm simply saying is, you know, don't make an irrational decision just because there's a market pullback we see this all the time year after year it hits different sectors you know sometimes it hits the overall market you know you take a look right now at 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 uh you know one stock that was just recently added to the S&P 500 at an all-time high and now it's come way back down that's hurting the overall average of the of the index so that hurts yeah. a lot of index investors yeah. so you have to understand what's going on behind the scenes with it all so you know, you, you, you've got to continue to grow grow your assets. Nothing wrong with that at all. But at some point, you also have to say, how do I turn these assets into income production for me? And if you're happy just selling off shares, well, then that's fine too, okay? But if, you're, if you, you, you want to get some education on, well, if I'm going to sell off shares, maybe I should sell off some shares and put them in a position where I can get an income that would represent the same amount of shares I was selling to begin with. And this way, I'm not selling any shares of this new position, and those shares over time will continue to grow and rise, and I'm still getting income along the way to, su- to satisfy your needs. So that's all. So, so there's a lot of different ways to take a look at how to produce income uh, in retirement years for yourself as well. And and it. It's, well, I, had no it,
0: it
6: I had no. idea. just I wasn't worried about the downturn right now. I I've been doing. I've, I've been my own investor for about. 25 years i have never really gone to a financial person and that's Mm -hmm. why i found a show by accident well um on the satellite uh channel and so i just called you in and so i've kind of just done it all by myself i've managed my own 401 and everything because i was was self-employed
2: well that's a good that's a good thing Yep, absolutely. I will be happy to to talk with you. I'll tell you what. I'll I'll uh I'll put Bob on the I'll, I'll have Bob, I'll put you on hold here in just a second, Lisa, and then I'll have Bob get your contact information and I'll have him give you a ring next week uh to set you up with myself or or one of our advisors to uh to go over everything for you, okay? Super. Super All right, baby. well, I, yep, appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making money sense Larry Rosenthal show. Go ahead and dial us up at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855 855- Seven six seven three one two three. Go visit my website, LarryRosenthal.com. F- sign up for our newsletter. It's free each month. You can check us out on LarryRosenthal.tv. Each week we stream live the radio show, which is a lot of fun now. Chris, you're making me have to wear a collar shirt these days, but that's okay. <laughs> but you look good. No worries about it at all. And you can follow us and like us on on Facebook. So, uh, you know, next week we'll be back with another session of Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal's show. We will be putting up information here shortly about our next webinar. And uh, we've, we've had uh, just a lot of people from all over the country um, watching these webinars that we do each month. And we'll be putting one up here coming up uh, shortly, beginning part of, of April. So stay tuned for that information. And for Bob in the back and Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal.
1: Harlow. Don't forget Harlow. Harlow was on the air. And
2: Harlow the dog, yes, exactly. That's exactly right. Love him. So good deal, good deal. Have a great week. We'll be back next Saturday with another session of Making Money Sense.